The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org.
Good morning, everybody, and welcome. I'm antigen-tested, so feel comfortable, I hope, with the surge that I'm maskless. And thank you all for wearing your masks and respecting some distance as we weather this next wave in our community, hopefully on its way out. If you're joining us for the first time, a special welcome. Special welcome to the folks who are joining us on live stream. And to you, special welcome. Great, great to have you all here. Helen told me in her cab ride in this morning that when she was dropped at the Unitarian Church, her cab, rider, her cab driver said, oh, where the commies are. <laughs> so welcome. Welcome to this beloved community of commies, of lovers, of justice seekers, of truth tellers, of questioners of people deep into the human quest for understanding and seeking to live a life that reflects upon itself, always to grow and to be better and to serve in bigger and more beloved ways. Welcome to this worship together. This Sunday is sort of the end of the church year in some ways when we have our annual meeting. And in reflecting on that, there are threads woven throughout. But for the first piece, I want to thank Athena Papadakos, where are you, Athena, and Max and for, for creating our incredible bouquet this morning. And Athena, I don't know if you could come up to the pulpit and just say a little bit about what inspired it. Thank you. Again, um, I'm Athena, and I'm honored to serve on the flower, community, c- flower committee of our beloved community. And today, in honor of our new members and our uh, wonderful congregation and community, and I'm so grateful to be back together again, too, we've designed the flower bouquet, my son and I, uh, to represent our whole community. We have flowers of every size and shape and color and of every texture, soft and smooth and fluffy and even a little prickly. Some roses are in there too. (laughs) So flowers for every mood. We've also included leaves and berries. So we hope everyone is welcome and find something to enjoy in our beautiful bouquet to welcome everyone. Thank you. So in the spirit of the bouquet we create in community here, bringing ourselves as we are and better for being together, We light our candle, our candle that honors not only those who are here, but those who are joining us in live stream, so you're here with us in spirit. And I think this Sunday, especially, to just recognize the cloud of witnesses, the people who've gone before, who are always hovering in some and many ways, protective and loving and part of this community forever. And so with that, we begin worship together. Let's sing, appropriate also for this day, hymn number 360. It's in your gray hymnal, Here We Have Gathered. I invite you to rise as you're able, in body and spirit.
We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. If this is your first time watching, thanks for joining us. You can follow along in the order of service, which is available in the description of this video and is emailed to everyone who receives our newsletter, which you can get by signing up by filling out our connections form, which is on the welcome table or through a link that is in the order of service and the video description. The order of service also lists upcoming events and it links to opportunities to connect. In that vein, I have a few special announcements. For the first, I want to invite Sam King and Wonder Dave Crady forward to say a few words about that. As many of you know, Unitarian Universalism is a democratic faith. Our fifth principle uh, involves the use of democratic process within our congregations. And sometimes that may not be the most exciting thing, but it is important. And one of our most important democratic processes at UUSF is our annual meeting. That play takes place today after the service at 12.30 sharp. So please come. And we don't want you to go into the meeting on an empty stomach, so right after the service, there will be a light lunch served with chicken wraps and veggie wraps, as well as cake honoring our new members. Wonder Dave and I were your co-chairs this year for the pledge drive, and we asked you all to dig deep, and you did. And we met our goals. So I just wanted to say thank you, thank you, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. This lunch is just a small way to say thank you for doing what you could and what we needed to make sure that we're able to survive and thrive as we navigate our way out of this complicated forest that we've been in. So see you at the lunch and at the annual meeting. Thank you so much for your leadership, Sam and Dave. I want to remind folks that you will need to register before the annual meeting so that you can vote and that it starts at 12.30 sharp. I also just wanted to say, Stephanie Gowan, I don't think you're here this morning. You might be uncomfortable in a bathrobe, but Stephanie was the chairperson of the stewardship committee through before pandemic and through the beginning and her grace and intelligence and steadfastness and steadiness when the rest of us were reeling in the chaos of, all, of it all is a big piece of what pulled us strong financially through this time. And so we have a present for you, Stephanie, which we'll get to you, I'll hand deliver it this week, but we didn't want too much time to go by before telling you how much we appreciate how you helped us to stay strong and with such love and joy and steadfastness, which was exactly what we needed. So thank you. In response to the recent school shootings and ongoing epidemic in our nation of gun violence, our offering later this morning will be given to support the Giffords Law Center. Our don donation will support their work to create and uphold laws that have been proven to reduce gun violence, among other larger solutions-oriented approaches to this crisis of faith in one another and prioritizing of life over a false sense of personal freedom and rights. If you wish to give and mark um, online use the, using the payment portal, please choose Sunday plate offering and mark today's date or write Giffords in the memo line. If you are sending or handing in a check, 
please also mark it as a special offering and the date in the memo section. Thank you in advance for your generosity. Finally, next Sunday, be here. It will be Reverend Jax's farewell sermon and blowout extravaganza. <laughs> with a celebration party after the service. We look forward to you joining in, in on the tribute and celebration. With all of that said, I invite us now to center ourselves in worship by singing our meditation on breathing. The words are in your order of service. If this is your first time singing it, feel free to just listen and join in when you are comfortable. And feel free to get lost in the singing of it as a way to deepen our presence here together. When I breathe in, I'll breathe in peace. When I breathe out, I'll breathe out love. When I breathe in, Please join me, if you will, saying our covenant, the promises of the heart we make to one another, among them, in this community. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its prayer. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in freedom, and to help one another. On behalf of the membership committee, we are thrilled to welcome our newest members to our congregation, the class of 2022. 
In addition to our six new members who are here with us this morning, we've also invited members who joined the church in 2019, 2020, and 2021. Last spring, we held a virtual new member recognition ceremony, but we wanted to invite those who were able to come to the church to participate in today's ceremony. The steps to membership are simple. Meet with a minister, make a financial pledge of record, and sign our membership book. But becoming a member asks much more. It asks for a commitment, a commitment to be part of the rituals and rites of passage to this community, a commitment of learning and growing, and an ongoing exploration of, what, of one's faith and what it means. It means making time for fun, community building, and making connections with one another, a commitment to be of service, and deepening the call to love one another and work for justice and peace and to help bring healing to the world. The steps to membership are simple. The act of membership is sacred. We are delighted to, for those who have made their commitment to First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco and will call this your spiritual home. And we so welcome you. I now want to invite Nancy Hardys and Judith Stoddard of our membership committee who will read the names and invite our new members to the chancel to receive their Mardi Gras beads so you will know who they are after the service and the hand or hug of fellowship, and to enter into covenant with our congregation. Nancy and Judith, please come forward. A hearty welcome to Dave Crady. Come up as I call your name, please. Cal Ball, Michael Bossier, Sarah Ellerman. Horst Bassner, Jay Gupta, Maggie Schilke, Nora Kada, Annie Poppenhagen, Sherry and Jack Delo, Miriam Pocarl Wood. John Bowman and Louise Van Horn, Sarah Turin, Carolyn Kohout, Madeline Gerlich, Deborah Baldwin, Janine Bray, Paul Kensinger, the Hamner family, Christina, Sam, Liam, and Sterling, Kathleen Slobin, Eleanor Mattern, Maddie Fernandez, Irene Wessler, I'll get the rest of my hugs later, you can be sure. 
This is a day of celebration for all of us on so many levels. But in particular to honor the commitment that all of you made and all of the discernment that it took to become members here at the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco, we know that your decision didn't, that you didn't make this decision or come to it lightly. And so I'm gonna ask the members of this congregation Will you now welcome these new members, as you once were welcomed, enlarging, enlarging this, enlarging, enlarging this circle of community and embracing the gifts that they will bring, how they will change us? Please answer in the words printed in your order of service with me. We do. We not only welcome you, but also promise to nurture your new beginnings with our friendship and support. With eagerness and expectation, we look forward to working alongside you and building our beloved community together with you. We promise to care for you through courtesy, acceptance, respect, and engagement. And now new members, will you answer in the words printed in the order of service? I invite us now to enter into a time of prayer and meditation. For our prayer this morning, I've chosen the blessing written by John Burens in honor of our new members and for our church community. Blessed are those who yearn for deepening more than escape, who are not afraid to grow in spirit. Blessed are those who take seriously the bonds of community, who regularly join in celebration and learning, who come as much to minister as to be ministered to. Blessed are those who bring their children, who invite their friends to come along, to join in fellowship, service, learning, and growth. Blessed are those who support the church and its work by their sustained and generous giving and who give of themselves no less than their money. Blessed are those who know that the church is often imperfect, yet rather than harbor feelings of anger and disappointment, bring their concerns and needs to the attention of church leaders. Blessed are those who, when asked to serve, do it gladly, who realize that change is brought about through human meeting, who commit to the work of community building and stay with it until the end. Blessed are those who know that the work of the church is the transformation of society who have a vision of beloved community transcending the present and who do not shrink from the controversy, from controversy, sacrifice, or change. Oh, we are blessed by the presence of those who come into this community to support one another, share their gifts, and to share our gifts. Blessed are we indeed spirit of community in which we share and find strength and common purpose. Let us hold in our hearts those so many in need of healing, strength, compassion, and care. Let us join in a time of shared silence and reflection.
Amen. This time of year is a good time to say gratitude wherever we need to. And we have two more in, uh, gratitudes that we need to say. I'm Hannah Hart, and I am one of the new coordinators of the Interfaith Food Pantry, um, which, by the way, the Unitarian Universalist Society will be leading next Saturday. So uh, for those of you who are, who are interested in volunteering, it's a great way to spend time together and feed our neighbors. So after sneaking in that plug to invite you to volunteer, what I really want to do is thank our longtime coordinator, Megan Lamer. Megan has, for the last 10 years, been the stalwart and steady recruiter of volunteers, cheerleader, the, the one who remembers to send the thank you notes, um, and always both a wonderful guide and support. And she's done this for 10 years as part of an interfaith effort. We. Um, provide groceries to about 350 households a week. Um, and so I just want to thank, thank you, Megan, for all of your inspiration, your support, your guidance, and your just darn hard work showing up at 7 in the morning on Saturdays uh, once a month for 10 years. So thank you, Megan.
Our offering, which will be given to support the Giffords Law Center and earmarked for their efforts to write and institute the kinds of national and local laws that have been proven to reduce gun violence. Thank you in advance for your generous support of this work. Jonathan, doesn't this feel strangely appropriate for the last two years? But you get to see him in action. Jonathan Silk with his iPad working magic. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how many of you know this, but January of 2002, two staff people started here at the First Unitarian Universalist Society who are still with us today. One of those, Leland Jones, who's on vacation this week. We'll try and celebrate him next week, if we can get him in on a Sunday. And the other here with us on the chancel is none other than Jonathan Silk, who if we could knight somebody, we would make him Sir Jonathan Silk. He arrived here, a musician who had recently moved from the East Coast with friends. He was a trainee. He joined the staff part-time, I think just helping out with the sound when needed. I'm going to have to get all these facts corrected, but I didn't want to ask Jonathan because I didn't want to entirely ruin the surprise. He was under the tutelage of someone I never met, but many of you did, Mike Thomas, who was apparently a fixture here and an extraordinary human being who did everything and often closed up after the Sextons, having arrived almost before anyone else, to help keep this place alive and holding together, did a little bit of everything. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> Mike taught Jonathan a lot of what he knew and soon put Jonathan in charge of communications, the newsletter, the flame. And then one Christmas day, the church got the news, a surprise to everyone, that Mike had unexpectedly passed away. And Jonathan inherited all the things that Mike had managed, but with an incredibly steep learning curve. He came with experience in the arts. His father was a musician too, taught him how to set up cable and microphones. All of it would come in handy. But he had to teach himself all the rest. And over these last 20 years, we have put that inclination to creative problem solving, his native intelligence, his diligence, his creative abilities to the test constantly and never more than in the last two years. But even before then, 
Jonathan does everything from set and take down our AV equipment, do special events, pre and post service audio and visual production, creates our podcast, live stream, edits and publishes the web videos. He's in charge of AV support for our spaces outside these rooms. He creates magic and sends it out into the world to tell people who we are every week. And in addition to all the tasks I mentioned, he also maintains our website, which got a huge overhaul this year and looks gorgeous, our front-facing face. In the three years prior to pandemic, Jonathan oversaw a long list of projects. I mean, we'll put it in the flame. You can read it. It's extraordinary from installing theater lighting to a new, overseeing a new sound system to AV systems to sonic internet and voice over IP. You get the idea. And then by the grace of the universe, we had gotten a Hinckley grant and he and others like Galen Workman and Scott Miller helped to install and configure live streaming equipment and upgrades to everything that was necessary so that we could do that. He's an essential worker who put our community in a place that it was well prepared for the changes that we needed in order to help us stay together. Jonathan arrived 20 years and a bit ago here. He arrived a musician, newly from the East Coast, part-time trainee, single. Two, days, two decades later, he's a happily married man, married to an amazing woman, Latifa. He's still a musician, one who regularly plays the drums while operating the iPad on the side to control the sound. He's become an indispensable part of our community, a cherished member of our staff, and absolutely essential for us to do our mission. So today we want to recognize and thank him. Thank you, Jonathan, for your two decades of exemplary service to this church and all that that work and ministry makes possible in this community, but also beyond this community all the time. Thank you for walking in one of these doors 20 years ago and sharing your gifts and your humanity with this place and the living river of people that move through it. We are incredibly lucky to count you among us. So, Scott Benbow is here on behalf of the Board of Trustees. We want to give you a gift. First of all, a bouquet, a smaller symbol of what you have also added to the bouquet of the whole of us, and a gift towards a stay in a hotel that you and Latifa have been to before and seem to have enjoyed in the past. We hope when you're there, you think back on some of what you've made possible and toast toast to those two decades, because we certainly are. Sir Jonathan Silk. Now get back to work. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. Last week, 80 of us traipsed up to Occidental to repeat the decades-old tradition of the Unitarian Universalists of San Francisco's retreat. It had been a couple of years, a couple of cancellations since we'd been there, and <clears throat> I have to say when we arrived, it seemed like we all were a bit creaky. It reminded me of the Tin Man in Dorothy's <clears throat> Wizard of Oz before the oil can shows up. You could see us trying to remember, like in our muscle memory, motor memory, what it looked like and felt like to be together, to retreat together. While you were worshiping here in a powerful service led by Millie Phillips, we worshiped on Sunday in the Redwood Chapel. For those of you who don't know it, the Redwood Chapel at the retreat center we go to is this place where pews are laid really like benches down a scaled hill, the slope of it, and at the bottom is, as an altar, a redwood flooring thrown over the dirt ground, constructed over the dirt ground, and behind 
surrounding, almost everywhere, but particularly right behind the altar, are simply this gorgeous, soaring family of redwoods, some pushing right up against the balustrade that's erected in the back to prevent worship leaders from falling down the hill behind. <clears throat> I read in the service from Barbara Brown Taylor's book, An Altar in the World, a series of essays that's extraordinary. And I read from the part in which she wonders about the places where we gather in churches. She understands and affirms the urge to gather, to remind ourselves of our best selves, the routine, comforting, and gorgeous of it all. But she writes, I worry what happens when we build a house for God. Do we build God a house so that we can choose when to see God? Do we build God a house in lieu of having God stay at ours? You may need to translate her theological language depending on your own. But don't let the need for translating free you from the content and challenge of the question. Her wondering about the benefits, but also the risks of building a house for the holy a place where our religious lives are assumed to happen. It's a powerful question. What happens to the rest of the world, she writes, when we build four walls, even four gorgeous walls, cap them with a steepled roof and designate this the house of God, she asks. Who doesn't make it into these places? The natural world, the animals, the redwood trees, except <laughs> when they're cut down. Which people don't make it in? What about ourselves do we risk forgetting? It's graduation time this time of year, I'm sure you know. Thomas Brown, who retired as one of our sextons here this past December, but who was back this week subbing while Leland was on vacation, Thomas celebrated the graduation of Brenasia, his granddaughter, who also works and helps us as one of our child care providers every Sunday. Her graduation from San Francisco State, so if and when you see her, congratulate her. Another grandson here in San Francisco graduated from high school. His daughter got a degree in real estate from City College, and he told me another granddaughter in Texas got her degree from college this last week. Everyone breaking through that ribbon at the end of a race. Those gorgeous moments of victory that no one can take away from us, happening all around us. And this last week, my daughter graduated from high school. She gave a graduation speech with words that threw a frame around our own life here that makes me want to share them, and which I do with her permission. Speaking of junior year, 2020 to 21, as she reflected back with her classmates on what this journey has been like for them, she said, junior year, the year of failure in a broader sense, failure to feel like the same school. You know that philosophical question, would you still be you without an arm? without a body? What if you were just a brain immersed in a jar of some undefined liquid, but you could still think? Would you still be you? That's basically the question we asked, but about our school this time. Is a school still a school without a building? Is UHS, her high school, still UHS without heated discussion in the hallways? Or running up from the South Campus or the NCS championship or live musicals? And us? We were faced with the same struggle, weren't we? Failure to feel for a while like the same church in the last two years, forced to ask consciously or unconsciously, are we still a church without a building? 
Are we still a church if we cannot be in person to mourn a loss or to celebrate a birth? Are we still UUSF if we don't have the annual retreat, the full moon circle, if we don't light the chalice together, without Christmas Eve carols spilling out as we head out into the street with candlelight and laughter? When life gets stripped of all its trappings and all the ways that it will, that it always has and that it did for us. We human beings were always forced to dig into this age-old question of who are we really? Who are we beneath the layers of who we thought we were before all the losses and the stripping back began? Lose your job and you have to ask, is there a Vanessa, a Bob, a Prita? That's more than just our paid work. Lose an ability and we have to ask whether we are more than one set of capabilities of our bodies or our minds. In the hundreds of possible strippings away in life, it will be made obvious in retrospect, how easily you and I can and do again and again lose sight of who we are at our core until we are forced in these moments of release to let go of the easy, the convenient, the superficial, the obvious, and the inaccurate notion of who we really are. And what we did at church was find something in the stripping away. We found what Lila thinks she and her classmates found. In her speech, she said, in the end, we decided UHS was still a version of UHS, but only because of the people because of what fiercely held us together. So too for us, in Zoom, in FaceTime, in Livestream, in masks, outdoors, however we could, we worked to connect and even just remember we were connected when it sometimes was only a gossamer thread that no one else could see but us across distance and unearthly quiet. We learned to touch that and to trust it. And it was reliable, that web. I don't want to get to Hebrew scriptures on you all this morning, but it's a bit like other communities who have carried their faith into desert places and proved what we are together isn't just what happens in a building. That it's held inside and it's held among us. An incredibly good lesson to remember periodically. Church is us. There is power in that. The power of the Redwood Chapel without its walls. The power of pandemic wisdom. And then at the end of her reflections, Lila pointed out how senior year was often about feeling lucky and unlucky. This last year would be our senior year in her story, how they were grateful for being back together and worried about things abruptly coming to an end again. And those of us who lived through the shutdown of Christmas Eve, 36 hours before it was supposed to happen, certainly know that roller coaster ride. And she said, that was the year of reviving traditions and extending grace and remembering some of the facets of being back together that we had forgotten. Which takes me back to the retreat last week. All of our creaky joints getting oiled up over two days by a few hikes, some that seemed like an outward bound team training expedition, by a dizzying array of jigsaw puzzles. 
by some trash talk over code names, by a lot of shared meals and the healing warmth of campfire and stargazing and singing and the beaver and the happy dances. Senior year, the year of reviving traditions and extending grace and remembering what being together felt like. Thank you all for a hard, happy, nervous, stumbling, grace-giving, remembering, forgetting senior year at church. Thank you for all you have weathered, trusting in the gossamer threads, holding your part of them tight to keep the web strong, and something that held us through desert times and reminded us of a deep truth that the stripping away of the last two years has brought into focus. Namely, who are we? Well, we're a church, a church that sometimes has a steeple, sometimes has doors, but whenever we're really open to see what's inside and what holds it all together, the answer is always the same. It's the people. So blessings to this church. Blessings to these gorgeous, strong, wise, enduring, joyful, and grace-filled, stumbling, trusting, determined, loving people who are church.
And now I invite us to rise and body our spirit as we say our benediction. Because COVID numbers are high, we're going to hold off holding hands for a little while, unless the person next to you is someone you live under the same roof with. And now in our comings and our goings, may the light of love shine upon us. Out from within us, be gracious unto us and grant us peace. For this is the day we are given. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Thank you.